This podcast is sponsored by ReformationSites.com, church websites for a modern Reformation. Listen for a special May offer at the conclusion of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. My kids wanted me to read Harry Potter so I could get a little conversant with that. So I will admit um, that I have been reading a little Harry Potter. After 10 p.m., when I'm unable to do all of the things, I, uh, I crank out a chapter or two. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined by my friend and co-host, James Dolezal. James, how are you today? Jonathan, I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking about some books we've been reading. Yeah, this is a snapshot today. It's a moment in time, and um, I don't think we've ever done this. As far as I can remember, I don't think we've ever done this, but what we wanted to do was just give, for this brief period, what's on our shelf? What has James Dolezal been reading, and what have I been reading? And just talk a little bit about that, and I think it's reflective of the fact that our last two weeks have gone a little differently. Uh, from one another, but also just uh, reflective of what's come across our desk. So, so James, what have you been reading lately? I almost wanted to start with you because uh, your yours is a slightly different list than mine. But I'll I'll begin. Um, and some of this is just because as a as a professor, I'm reading things that are either helping prepare for classes or refresh. Um, I've been going through um, Thomas Boston's Fourfold State. What a great book. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's uh, for listeners that don't know, Thomas Boston's fourfold state is, is really a doctrine of man and his original righteousness, man as fallen, man as redeemed, and then man in the eternal uh, consummate state. And so it follows uh, a kind of linear trajectory of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. But it elaborates at great length on each one of those points. And the reason I've been reading it is that every year I teach a course on the doctrine of man's sin and salvation. And this is a book that covers all of those topics, or at least um, significant pieces of those topics. Uh, and so I was rereading that. It's not like a systematic theology. Um, it doesn't read that way, even though it kind of covers the topics, but it covers them very sermonically. And yeah, I would, you know what I was impressed with, Jonathan, is while it is very sermonic, there's also, he also shows some of his um, technical savvy in places. Uh, I, I was struck when he distinguishes between habitual righteousness and actual righteousness and how Adam was created with habitual righteousness, but not actual righteousness. And it kind of, um, struck my medieval chord there uh, to see this early, early 18th century Scottish Presbyterian who's preaching sermons, really. And you can see that that's what this material is. Yet, nevertheless, um, kind of traffics in some of the subtleties as well, though not though it's not uh, overwhelming, I wouldn't say. But it's good. It's, good. It's, it's also good devotional. I mean, when you're teaching a course, it's good to be informed, but it's also good to be personally stirred. Sometimes we talk about books that are pretty, you know, pretty oriented to the academic community. They have value and, and, and anyone can, can work at it and get them. But, but this is, this is not that this is, these are sermons. No, if, you, if you, if you know how to read, <laughs> you're, you're, you're right, ready to go. Right. Right. And, um, and if you don't, I think it's available on, on audio. It's, yeah, it's really soul enriching material. 
Yeah, it really is. You've you've read it, I'm sure. I have I've probably re- reread sections of it. Yep. Um, yep. And so I, I was just revisiting it uh, to refamiliarize myself and kind of be stirred up. And I I found it I found it um, informative, but also convicting, uh, which is especially his doctrine of sin areas. I'll just give you one little vignette on it, and then we'll talk about some other books. Um, he talks about original sin and the need to repent of original sin. Because we tend to think we need to repent of actual sin, but the inherited sin from Adam, I mean, do I have to repent of that? I didn't actually commit it. Adam committed it um, and wrecked me by it. But do I need to personally repent of it? And he gives a strong exhortation on the need to repent, not just of actuals of the actual sins you personally commit, but also of the of the original sin that you inherit from Adam of that sinful condition. And he calls original. He said, "Why would you repent of your particular sins and not repent of the mother sin that gave birth to them, uh, which is original sin?" Just things like that. They're just very striking arguments. Uh, the 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 rhetoric in the book. Sometimes you read books that are rhetorical and it's just flourish. You know what I mean? It's just garnish. Um, it doesn't really advance or move you uh, in any way. But the, the rhetoric in Boston's book uh, is, is rhetoric wrapped up in argument. It's really, um, really striking. So that's, that's one I would, I've been reading, Thomas Boston, Human Nature in Its Fourfold State. Uh, Adonis Vidu's book. Um, we recently did a podcast. Some of our listeners will recall if they didn't, uh, they can go back and open up that uh, podcast and give it a listen. Um, Adonis Vidu's book, um, The Same God Who Works All Things on the Inseparable Operations of the Trinity. Um, this I read because we were interviewing Adonis, but also I was going to read it anyway uh, because of my own teaching and personal interest in Trinitarian theology. I will say this. I may have I may have made this comment to Adonis when we weren't recording that Protestants are not known for producing great volumes on the Trinity. When I think of Trinity doctrine of the Trinity in recent authors, I tend to think of Catholics like Gilles Lemery, um, and I've I've used his book his books in reform contexts, and I think they serve our purpose well in terms of being very orthodox. But Protestants aren't widely known for producing um, great scholarly works on the Trinity. But um, Adonis Vidu is putting the lie to that. Um, and showing us that that um, Protestants and reformationally sympathetic Protestants uh, can do that heavy lifting as well in a very orthodox way. Um, also, I like that book because I I think he mentioned this in the interview we did with him in a previous episode that there's a trend in modern theology toward a kind of soft and unarticulated tritheism and separable operations, which his book is against is kind of a gateway into that, where we think of the son as doing this part and the spirit is doing another part and the father doing another part. And as soon as you can sort of disengage their operations in the world, it becomes very easy to start thinking of them as sort of um, three individual beings with their own acts of agency, that kind of thing. So I've been reading Adonis just to kind of, but I would say beyond that, he, he did some things in the last hundred pages of that book that really pushed me to think about the application of this to Christology and pneumatology in ways that were um, new and stimulating for me. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But that's another one I have been reading recently. I've got a couple more. Do you want me to give you my other? Uh... Yeah, just give them. I think, I think our, our listeners want to know. They want to do. Okay. I hope they do. Um, if, if not, you know, just fast forward to Jonathan's section. It'll, it'll be more interesting to you. Um, 
In this uh, spring semester, spring of 2022, uh, I'm teaching a class at IRBS Theological Seminary in Texas, um, Foundations of Philosophical Theology. This is uh, a required part of their curriculum, and I've taught it before, and um, so I'm teaching it again this spring. And so I need to, I need to really sort of stimulate the little gray cells uh, in terms of philosophy and its relation to theology. And so I've been rereading some rereading and reading some new things of old authors. So I recently read um, Etienne Gisson's, or it looks like Etienne Gilson, uh, if you're, if you're uh, just saying it that way, um, Etienne Gisson's book, Christian Philosophy. I've read several books by Gisson over the years. He's real, he's a 20th century French Catholic sort of historian of philosophy um, and a Thomist. And um, he's, he's a very good exegete of Aquinas, um, and he's also very good on something that concerns me greatly, which is the philosophy of being, and particularly of the act of existence. And he sees that as sort of the, um, the, the hard core of Thomas's metaphysics, that the most fundamental reality is not essence, but it's that which makes essence to be. Uh, which is what we in Latin we call essay. So his Christian philosophy kind of talks about God and creatures and how God really is his own act of existence, whereas creatures have an act of existence. And that, dis- that difference between being active existence, which is the I am, and having an active existence, which is every creature, and really finding that as that distinction between the one from whom are all things and those who are from that one. Um, so I, it, it really, it really helps to put a sharp edge on the creator creature distinction um, in a way that, anyway, stimulating to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll be discussing parts of that in my foundations of philosophical theology class. Um, one other, one, I'll mention one other one. I'm reading a, a little book, a translation of Dominic Banyas or Domingo Banyas, uh, who was a, a late 16th century. Dominican friar, Spanish uh, Dominican, and in that tradition of Dominicans, uh, wrote extensive commentaries on Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologiae, and this is a this is his discussion on Thomas's argument that in God, essence and existence are identical, um, and it's called the primacy of existence in Thomas Aquinas Banyas and. Um, I'm given that this is sort of my area of interest broadly and has been for years. Um, and I've read a lot of Banyesians. Uh, I have only just recently begun to dip into Banyas for myself. And uh, at least for me, it's thrilling. If, if you were to see me reading this book, you'd see a big smile on my face and pencil out making notes. Um, it's, it's a small book. It's a great exposition of Aquinas. And I'm doing it for the same reason, just trying to get my to get my mind uh, back in a place to teach the foundations of philosophical uh, theology course. So that's what I've been, that's what I've been up to. That's what's on my shelf uh, active. Heady stuff from you in the last couple of weeks. We would have expected nothing less. It's hard to do that. It's hard to read that when you're in the, when you're in the middle of a teaching semester, I don't don't know when you've taught for several hours a day, picking up uh, Banyas on the philosophy of existence is just, Boston is a little easier after a day like that, um, just in terms of able to process. My kids wanted me to read Harry Potter so I could get a little conversant with that. So I will admit um, that I have been reading a little Harry Potter. That's my um, after 10 p.m. when I'm sort of 
unable to do all of the things, I, uh, I crank out a chapter or two. That's not so much a commendation as information. But you've been you've been reading some things, but also you've been reading on the road, and I haven't been on the road. Yes. So what have you what have you been reading on the road? Right. So that's that's the backdrop. I've been um, just the way the way my schedule's worked out. The last few weeks have been almost entirely taken up with travel. Can you read heavy books while traveling? Is that I find that difficult. Well, I do find it difficult as well. Uh, I, I typically don't do that. And there are practical reasons for it. Like just carrying around big books is not always easy, but then also, yeah, just the focus that, that they require can be, can be difficult to obtain. So none of these books is particularly heavy. There's one that, that I've been uh, reading that I think we'd consider to be heavy lifting, but for the most part, not really. Um, so, so the books in the last few weeks have been, Rereads actually for me, um, Jonathan Edwards, the the biography by George Marsden mm. of Jonathan Edwards, which I, I I love. Yeah, a life. I love that biography. It's just I remember first reading it. You know, some books that you remember where you where you were when you read them for the first time, and I've that's one of them for me. I vividly remembered. I just enjoyed it tremendously. You, do you learned. remember that Ian Murray had written a biography of Edwards, and he said yeah. in his biography of yeah. Edwards that somebody needed to write that sort of richer, right. more scholarly yeah. kind of volume. And then I think I remember Ian Murray saying that when Marsden's book came out, that that book had finally been written. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't remember those exact, his his saying that, but I, 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 I'm not surprised to hear that because the Ian Murray book is good. Is. I, I liked his Jonathan Edwards biography, but um, but the Marsden one has a rich texture to it, um, and it's just very clearly written. Anyway, I read that book. Uh, if you're looking for a biography to read, if biographies are your thing, I really would recommend it. Even if you don't, you know, even if you don't want to dive too much into deep theological questions, it, this is an excellent book. Is he still America's biography. greatest theologian? I mean, is that do we have? Well, to you know, that? there are. <laughs> There are some who would say it wasn't America. Then. Yeah, I know. Was, that's uh, right. He was he was he was a so-so was English a, theologian, but I, was, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> he was second tier English theologian. Okay. No, um, you know, it depends who you talk to uh, yeah. that B.B. Warfield would be on that list. I'd probably put mm. Archibald Alexander on that list. But yeah. in any case, Edwards is a towering uh, figure. So what else? Okay, so so then the other ones actually have been Ian Murray books. I decided on this last series of trips to reread a bunch of Ian Murray books that I had read first, you know, a, a while ago, um, and so just picked up a bunch of books on from my shelf: uh, Pentecost Today, uh, Puritan Hope, and Heroes, which is a little more recent than those other two, but um, some biographical sketches and. Why the why those ones? Why Pentecost? Yeah, today? well, you know, partly just because of timing. I had I had read them a, a while ago. It had been a long time, and I sort of thought I remember thinking those books were great, and I want to reread them and find out, you know, from this vantage point, uh, what I think of them. And boy, they were they it was it was great. I I you weren't I, um, let down. I was not let down at all. Um, Actually, if I can move from from books for one second, I think what provoked that was on one of my trips, someone had introduced me. This was a while back before this last round had introduced me to a, a series that's on YouTube that's being hosted by a, a, a reform congregation in England. 
called Before They Leave the Stage. And it's and it's a series of interviews with, and anyone can look it up on YouTube, Before They Leave the Stage. It's a series of interviews with some um, pastors in, in Britain, um, some of whom... We, our listeners will have heard of others of whom are, are, are a little less well known, but Ian Murray was one of them. Hmm. And so this pastor interviewed Ian Murray. It's kind of a Zoom interview. And um, and and that's what made me think, you know what, I'm just going to read on this next trip. That's what I'm going to do. So anyway, found them all to be in different ways, extremely beneficial to me and invigorating. I also read the St. Andrew 7 uh, which is a banner of truth book, not written by Ian Murray, but it is um, it, it's written by uh, Stuart Piggin um, and John Roxborough. Uh, but it's a banner of truth book from the early 80s because I've really been consumed with what was going on in the 1820s in theological education uh, within reform circles. So in, at Princeton, one third of their men are going out overseas into global mission fields. And then the St. Andrews seven records how Chalmers students, when Chalmers went to teach at St. Andrews uh, as, as he's lecturing, these, these students kind of coalesce around him and they end up going out and the Lord uses them to really change India among other places. And so, so is, I mean, is being a seminary president part of why you wanted to? Yeah, yeah, no, for, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that's, I mean, that was what was driving me was thinking about what was going on in those early years, uh, particularly that decade of the 1820s, 200 years ago. So uh, that was driving it for me. And I know that's peculiar and personal, but I think there's, there's some uh, others who might be interested in that. And then, and then the, the other thing in the last few weeks, uh, James is Turretin's uh, Institutes of Elenctic Theology. But um, do you carry that on the road? No, 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 no. So this is just one part of it that I'm reading. And, um, and, and some of this I'm reading by tablet as well, um, which I don't enjoy as much, but it's useful. Um, and, and anyway, so I've been reading, rereading Turretin, particularly on the church and the last things. And so that's a little more substantial, but, you know, he bears repeated reading as I'm sure you'd agree. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. I had to make a choice on what books I put in my home office, the ones that are most readily accessible to me for the most hours of the day. And, uh, with, with Thomas Aquinas and with Herman Bovink, uh, and Wilhelmus Abrockel, Turretin made the cut. Um, I've got to, I've got to have Turretin in reach most hours of the day. That's a rule I live by, <laughs> among other rules. I, I like it. I like it. Well, James, I don't know. We'll find out whether this was of any interest to our listeners or whether they just want to hone in on your reading of Harry Potter. But uh, <laughs> in any case, we are grateful to our listeners. And, and, and we'd like to, as is our tradition, uh, give you an opportunity to win one of the books. And I think that the book that we, we'd like to offer is, is the first one that was mentioned, Thomas Boston's Human Nature in Its Fourfold State. Uh, that's Banner of Truth Books. If you go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link, enter your information, uh, you can enter to win a copy of that Thomas Boston book that James has been reading recently. Uh, we love hearing from you. So if you uh, have suggestions for us, books that we should be reading, that you're reading, uh, let us know. And uh, feel free to pass along this podcast to any who might be helped by it. If you're able to donate, you can do that at alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. And as always, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.
Did you know that most people view a church's website before they'll ever step foot in the door? So how's your church's site? Would an online visitor searching for a church home find it inviting? Does it reflect your ministry as it should? Perhaps it's time to start a new site for your church that reaches out more effectively with a design that engages visitors while keeping members connected. Reformation Sites has beautiful, mobile-ready designs to choose from, helpful service, and useful features such as sermon manager, online bulletins, ministries, books, and notifications. It also integrates with other popular services like sermon audio, live streaming, and online giving, with pricing that fits into any church budget. In the month of May, we're offering 15% off the website setup fee. Get started by using coupon code RS15 when you go to ReformationSites.com. Reformation Sites, church websites for a modern reformation.